Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Can't Believe I Just I Can't Believe I Just Watched This, the podcast where we talk about everything to do with TV and movies. I am your host, Robert Broad. With me, as always, we have Nathan Blair and Darren Hayward. How are we doing today, guys? Not bad, thanks. Not, Not bad. bad. Brilliant. Have you done anything interesting this week? Seen anything interesting? We, we've all watched the assembled episode on Disney Plus about One Division. Mm, very interesting, actually. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And the two um, Legends episodes that were added about mm. uh, Sharon Carter and Helmut Zemo. But yeah, what did you guys think of the assembled episode for One Division? Really interesting, actually. I um, I tell you what, I enjoyed. Actually, no, not that I enjoyed. Oh, well, I mean, I did enjoy it. But I thought it was interesting that Paul Bettany doesn't have anything on his head apart from the red paint and fucking a few dots on his face for the for the CGI. I, yeah, which was blue as it, well, black and white. Yeah. 50, mm. so I thought yeah. It was a bluish purplish hue. I mean, they called yeah. it blue in the show with the dots on his head again for motion capture but because originally he had to have a whole he had to have a whole cowl on his head for, and to for it to be done but now obviously they they now have to do it where they can just cgi it i mean it's, it's another reminder of how in depth they they thought about everything to do with the show and i like that i mean it was it was on for about 47 50 minutes um this yeah. assembled episode and yeah. uh I feel like they didn't miss anything. They, they pretty much covered everything. And it's quite weird that we, we're on the precipice of yet another show, which has none of the same characters and actors in it. Yeah, and, and like, a, like a plethora of uh, of different villains that are either confirmed, like Zemo himself, um, or the, the Flag Smashers. I, I don't think they confirmed. I think they're rumours. But like one of the rumours is that we're supposed to be seeing... Arkady Rosovich, who in the comics is the X-Men villain Omega Red. So that that's a that I think that's a rumor. I don't think that's really confirmed. Right. It would be a bit weird if he was, you know, I don't think he is Omega Red. He, that character is tied heavily into the Weapon X program and Wolverine and Sabretooth and other characters like that. And Deadpool, I guess. But yeah, that was one of the rumors around that show. And and that's an, sort of another reminder as well for people who are wondering, are there going to be more assembled episodes? They're supposed to the rumor is they're supposed to be doing an assembled episode per season of the different Disney Plus shows. So every time a show wraps up with this final episode, the week after on the Friday, that's the assembled episode for it. Yeah. I like the fact that they uh actually like the way did the sets are that the lighting from what they used to use for the sitcoms. And how they like properly researched into it, and they they even spoke to people that produced or they worked on like those type of shows, like shows yeah. like Bewitched. Uh, they meant there's a lot of references to Dick Van Dyke as well in on that uh, assembled episode. And yeah, how, like, they, 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 they spoke to him, which is which is awesome, really. You know, you you, you they they actually reached out to the guy behind, you know, the the show that's the main feature for like the first two episodes. I thought that was that was pretty cool. I was I was sort of fingers crossed, like hoping to see Dick Van Dyke on mm. the set. Obviously, you know he's an, he's an old guy and his COVID and lockdowns and stuff. So well, that's probably why you, you, he wasn't there. To, you know, you didn't see him there. He might have been set though. I was hoping to see him. I, I like I like the fact how they was, I like the fact how they were saying that 
I think it was uh, what's the name Elizabeth Olsen. She was saying that when they went to like drama school or when they did uh, what is it worked in theatre as the kind of thing like working for live audience and the way they have to act a certain way when they're doing those types of things. How they got to basically go back to the basics with with the acting for the uh, sitcom element. Even though, yeah. even though I'm not a big fan of the sitcom element, I liked how she explained how she did it. Like kind of like how it was more fun for them. Like they were more. F- they had more free reign when they were doing this show than they have on the films in general. Well, it's a different way of acting, though, isn't it? But no, really, I'm I'm looking forward to the Falcon and Winter Soldier one. Yeah, I mean, what we can like quickly segue onto that if you like. I mean, what are you guys hoping for? It's six episodes this time instead of nine. Do you know um, what? I, that, I think that's the only thing I'm annoyed about. There's not as many yeah. episodes. But the episodes are aren't be longer. That's what I was just about to ask. Are they longer? Yeah. Now, you know, we heard we heard a lot of rumours, especially around WandaVision when it was coming to its finale. Hour, to hour and a half, which it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, was it meant to be an hour and all this stuff? Um, it wasn't, yeah. Which obviously it weren't. It only really got to push push that mark, um, push towards that mark with the finale episode. Um, these episodes are supposed to be, they haven't confirmed that they're all going to be longer than one division episode but they've said that on average like in general they are supposed to be longer yeah that's so i think the shortest run time for one division was like it's fourth or fifth episodes or something like that it's only like about 27 minutes or something like mm. that. you know, check on disney plus for that information obviously you know, they, they they haven't really given you like a minimum or a maximum it's just an on average and they've they're still um driving home with the fact that all of the shows forward are going to be different as well you know, like, for example, a show like She-Hulk, which is supposed to have 10 episodes, you know, obviously it'll, it'll probably have a lot more content than The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But, you know, she's also a new character being introduced. Yeah, into the exactly. So, to be honest, I, I'm not, you know, like WandaVision was set after Endgame, but not after Far From Home. That's fair enough. I kind of want them, apart from Black Widow, because we know that's more than, you know, more going to be a prequel film, sort of. Yeah. Um, I think it's after I think it's after Civil War that one. Yeah, it's, it's synopsis has got it set after Civil War and before Infinity War. So it's essentially okay. she when she's on the run and she allows Rogers and Bucky to escape um, in the Quinjet. What happens to her then? And and then you know you see her talking to Stark with his broken arm and then she sort of darts off. So you don't see her for like the rest of the movie. So where did she go? That's good because that is creating a lot of filler in between those movies. It and is, yeah, definitely. Being like, you know, a, a, this is her first film being the major character of it. So, yeah, but I kind of want, I kind of want everybody who has like all the different characters who have a Disney plus show or a film coming out now to be after. I, I, I don't really feel like with new characters, as such, you you need to create a backstory that is going quite far back in time in, in the MCU's chronology, but you can make it so that, you know, you could show an origin story, like they could do that with Moon Knight yeah. and things like that. But, um, you know, like when they do the Ms. Marvel show, for example, obviously her character in the car- comics, Kamala Khan, has a huge, you know, uh, relationship with Carol Danvers, who she idolises, and and everything like that. Um, you don't really need to see like Carol Danvers still in the Air Force. You don't need to go that far back. So I'd rather Black Widow be 
be the only film to do that. What do you guys think, anyway? You know, they're quite secretive about the films still. Kevin Feige and CEOs of, um, it's not Bob Iger anymore, but it's Bob something. They just replaced one Bob with another Bob, I think, at Disney. <laughs> it's really weird. Two for a Bob. Convenient, isn't it? It's convenient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or maybe confusing. <laughs> they're like, go tell Bob. Oh, he doesn't work here anymore, but Bob does. Um, but yeah, they, they, they're definitely dead set against doing Disney Plus for any of the films. They've said that they, 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 there was an article I read, which was a Marvel article, you know, not you know any of these other websites that we cite sources from usually. And they said that that is not their plan for going forward. Obviously, plans change. Um, like what happened with this year after last year's COVID and stuff. But yeah, they, they, their attitude, I think, is more towards giving them the cinematic releases that they deserve. Black Widow, unfortunately, might be the first film to kind of take the full brunt of things not going back to normal yet. But by the time Shang-Chi comes out in July, you know, we've got June 21st, the longest day of the year. We've got that as our get out of jail free card for covid so i doubt the shang chi and, and the following movies would be affected the eternals has got a november release date and spider-man no way home has got a december release date and they're clutching towards that being a christmas movie so it'd be quite weird but, if that gets pushed back they seem to have changed their tune because obviously i said before that disney would say that well as i said there's two people there's two different there's two sides some people the, the newer people within disney they want to release a lot on streaming service because that's the way forward, or streaming mm. service and cinemas. Obviously, cinemas are not open at the minute, so streaming service, but then you've got the old school people in Disney that are dead set against it. Because I heard that Shang-Chi was meant to be one of the films that was more or less confirmed to be on Disney+, Plus, mm. but Black Widow was not going to be. Like They were still humming and hiring about Black Widow going through the uh, whole Disney, service, Disney Plus thing, and that was well, when, I said this a few episodes back, so Probably about a month or so ago, I said this. So they've obviously changed their mind since then, which seems to be a yeah. thing at Disney. I don't know if you noticed it, but in that in that assembled episode, that episode, they, Kevin Feige, they did an interview with him where he said something about how he wants to release an Avengers film at the end of like every single phase, practically. And as as we've said in other episodes, that there's not going to be an Avengers film between Phase Four and Five. Whatever. The thing is, though, it's like I think the the the, the thing he is citing as a source is when is the uh, Marvel Studios assembling a universe special, which I think they aired on ABC when Shield and Carter now were still running on there. Um, and then they, it was a Blu-ray, it was on one of the Blu-rays. It might have been Age of Ultron or something or Civil War, something like that. And then they, they put it on Disney Plus, and that was a special for everyone to watch. But the thing is, is like if you think about it, around that, around the time of a lot of, of a lot of when Kevin Feige and other top people at Marvel Studios are having these interviews, Inhumans was still a film that was supposed to be made, which a lot of people forget about because they all they can all they want to do is forget the awful show that went on TV for one season. And also there was no reveal or mention of Spider-Man because they were still umming and ahhing and airing out the bits that Sony wanted Disney to agree with and vice versa. So mm. a lot of stuff has changed. You know what I mean? We, we, I kind of feel like the reason the, the I think that change of when phase four wasn't supposed to be getting an Avengers movie and Kevin Feige, like you said, have, like broke his word a bit. I kind of feel they might have done that around the time of 
when Infinity War wasn't a part one and a part two anymore, and it was and it was going to be Infinity War and Endgame. So I mean, yeah. you've already you've got two Avengers movies in one phase, and yeah. because of the events of that movie, you're not even sure where characters are, and they also have got this need to bring in more new characters as well um, through their films and their Disney Plus uh, shows. So I'm not I'm not that bothered that we're not getting an Avengers five. I want them to more focus on. I want them to prove the fact that you can make these crossover movies like these, you know, like the Doctor Strange sequel and that's supposed to be without always needing to to put a Avengers stamp of approval on it. The big A and say, you know, it's okay, You know, these characters can work together in a more of an unofficial capacity, which I see in films like Thor, Love and Thunder and as well. I mean, I'm not against them doing it. I mean. I think it might have been the same documentary I've seen where they mentioned about how Guardians of the Galaxy, I know we'll talk about that in a bit, but how that film kind of steps away from the whole, how the Avengers films beforehand have been set up, because obviously it's set in space for one thing. It's characters that we probably haven't seen before. Well, we haven't seen before. We haven't seen them in the MCU before now, but it still obviously ties in. with Guardians was a big dick swing for Disney. Like something completely new, completely different that they haven't done because of everything else, and they also and how so and how successful they are. They were it it was honestly just a big dick swing. It's like yeah, I think that was a good thing because yeah, it's very true. True, I I agree that I think it was a good decision, but at the same time, it could have it could have it could have been completely fucked. Oh yeah, because I think what the documentary that I saw while it was saying was that, you know, they had so much success with the films prior to Guardians and everybody who's watched these films, they wanted to see something different. So they were catering for the fans. Basically, they wanted to try something new, something right. different. At least that's how that's, that's my take on what they said. Yeah, yeah. From what they were saying, that's what I'm taking away from it, is that they, were got, they, were, they wanted to try something completely different. No, yeah. Well, we can talk more about that when we talk about Guardians, but mm. I, I thought I'd just mention it. So we talk about some DC Comics stuff? Man. Yeah, sure, go for it. Well, I mean, obviously a lot of people are, well, I hope they are, watching the CW shows that have started since uh, January, February time. Superman, Superman and Lois. They've both started again. Um, obviously Batwoman as well. We've got Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow coming on soon. Oh, um, I forget about Black Lightning as well. I don't watch that personally, but I mean, that's on as well. Is it is it a co-production between Netflix and the CW? I think so because I, I don't because think season one CW. because season one was originally just on Netflix, was it not? Yeah, I think it only came onto the CW in the last season that came out because they right, tied it okay. in with the whole crossover. I don't think I don't know if you watched the crossover event, but with sorry, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth. No, I haven't crossover event, but you know the last season of Black Lightning before the current season. That season, there was one episode, like all of the other shows, mm. that like kind of focused on, you know, events prior to the crisis event. Then you oh, had the okay. crisis event. Then it kind of mentioned it a little bit in the episode after the crisis event. Then yeah. it kind of just carried on doing its own thing. It was only up to that crisis point when it first joined as being part of the main show. So basically, right. Black Lightning is on the same earth as all the other shows. It's Supergirl as well. Yeah. You know. 
Well, the first season of Supergirl, I don't think, was part of the CW. I think it was no. somewhere else, and then it, then it came over the CW. The exact same with Stargirl. Started off on whatever it started off on. Amazon so Prime original? Amazon, sorry, Amazon Prime original, yeah. And now for season two, it's going to be part of the CW. I don't well, think, I don't though, the Stargirl is going to be... It's going to be implemented the same way as Black Lightning and Supergirl have, though, where they're tied in with Arrow and the Flash and Legends. No, it's, it's a separate. No, it's just going to be separate. Oh, that's um, cool. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, and it, it is. It is. You know, even though it was on Amazon Prime, I think Stargirl wasn't it like a homegrown DC subscription service? Yeah. Because it, ti- Titans, Titan season three is going to be on HBO Max. Yeah, yeah. But all, all their films are as well, though. They've already said that, that all of their and, films. And it's going to come to Netflix later. They're sort of defeating the point of their subscription service. I, I get the things, I get that it's handy and, and it makes, you know, it's handy for viewers and it makes them a lot more money to syndicate things on different networks and subscription services like Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really, I don't see so much now with people clamoring for. The, the, the DC subscription service to be in the UK, for example, because no, no. you don't need to. But I was, but yeah. I, I sort of felt like, well, isn't the point to kind of tell, you know, try and make people think they need it? Like, well, exactly. Done exactly. You know, instead of just going, oh, well, don't worry, because it's on this. It's like, well, yeah. and HBO Max doesn't really do much for us either. It's sort of like when Disney was putting shows on Hulu. It's like, it doesn't do much for. UK, you know, obviously a lot of other countries as well. But with DC in particular and Warner Brothers, I kind of feel like you you were really behind this. You know, you you were giving us Titans and Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing and Stargirl and I mean all these other shows and animated shows like the Harley Quinn stuff and all that, all, all that being, you know, shoved in our faces basically, you know, and massive interest ensued. But now yeah. it's sort of like I have to watch this on this one service and I have to watch this on another one. And it's really messed up. If if they're pushing for people to be using VPNs and do illegal downloads and streaming, keep it up, DC, because that's what people are probably fucking well, doing. Well, I've got a so, VPN. I, I've just bought one recently, actually, um, so I can watch fucking American and Japanese and fucking Australian Netflix because there's there right. is some there there's quite a bit of different stuff, especially on the Japanese one. Actually, mm. loads of loads of really cool anime. And you pay the same. Yeah. You know, like I think my my, my I use NordVPN, not a sponsor. Please do yeah. though, if someone hears it who works for NordVPN, um, would happily <laughs> take sponsorship. Uh, but I paid seventy quid, and it's given me a two year, two year uh, membership. Yeah. Use VPN, and it's it's very much worth it. We use a VPN as well, and you know, I like Nord. Like, it's it's coming incredibly handy to yeah. watch you know, a, 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 such a massive selection of different shows. But when you compare it to what Americans, Australians, etc., are getting, why are you paying nine ninety nine? Yeah, I don't understand if the content is nowhere near the same. For example, you take a, you take animated shows like Family Guy and American Dad and the Cleveland Show, right? Yeah. Well, they're on American Netflix, but we don't get them. No. And then, our way of getting it is you have to do Disney Plus and it's on Star. Yeah. Why should you yeah. have to keep? It's almost as if you know they 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 might as well they probably are to be honest, but they might as well all just be in cahoots with each other. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't seem to be the case in the states. It seems to be. Honestly, if, like if I could, with material. 
if I could pay 15 quid a month and lit and get everything combined from yeah. fucking Prime and Netflix yeah. and Disney Plus, I would even 20 pound a month. I'd happily pay that. I mean, do you remember when when the only argument was original programming? Mm. And now it's like, well, Netflix has a habit of doing. Yeah, and what Netflix, exactly. And what Netflix has a habit of doing is going Netflix original. But it isn't. Like Breaking Bad, Netflix original. It fucking isn't, is it? (laughs) It wasn't on Netflix first. No. So it'd be a Netflix original. It's just a Netflix original because you've been... They've now acquired the rights to it. Yeah. You've won that bidding war to get that program on there but then you never know for how long did you know though that half of the stuff that they take off netflix if you've got like a computer pc laptop whatever you log into your netflix account on your laptop or pc and all the shit that's ever on netflix is on there because i looked i looked before said of the show that i used to watch on netflix it's not on there anymore went went online had a look and the show was there is that one of those cases though where the netflix on your computer hasn't updated no, it's like usually every, shows get added and taken off. It's also aligned with a version update and things like that. Apparently, what they've done is that they just removed the shows. I think I don't think it counts for shows that have dates when they're going to remove them. But for most of the shows that have been on Netflix, it, when they just remove it from Netflix, it's still on Netflix. You just can't watch it. If you've got the app on your TV or whatever, it doesn't come up on your app. But if you uh, go onto the web, Netflix's website. All the stuff that's on Netflix is available to watch on their website. I'll have to test that out. I think their subscription services are becoming increasingly inconvenient. Yes, well, definitely. It's a convenient service. It's not convenient to be spending 20 quid or well, around the mark of money once a month to try and watch mm. several mm. shows, you know, that you want. And not everybody, you know, is... But blockbusters and, and other things, you know, even like HMV and stuff in the UK, I mean, they, they're still... For, for a lot of money, but they're still offering you, you know, when they reopen again, you can get this on DVD, you can get this on Blu-ray. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love, I, I love having physical copies of films. I love DVDs. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'd rather, I, I own all of the, you know, like uh, one of my friends in work was saying to me, well, a couple of months back now in January, she was saying to me, I've just had Disney Plus, but I've noticed that not all of the MCU films are on there. Yeah. And you know, and I didn't, I didn't go on a full Universal and Sony rant or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help myself back anyway, no. But um, I just said to her, those, those three films, unfortunately, are not on there. So I mean, she, I said to her, you know, I was sort of sticking up for him in a weird way. I was saying, there's 23 films, you get 20 of them. You know what I mean? That's the massive percentage yeah. of films you get. She said that's not good enough. I, I, I want, she, she, so she's she's basically in a position where she she said to me she's seen all of the films right she's yeah. seen all of the 23 films and because she got Disney Plus she's probably watched all of WandaVision as well right in phase four yeah um, but she's never done she's never done the experience of watching them in order to, to really get into the story to really get into the chronology of it in the canon which I said to her you know is, is a cool way of watching it Watch mm. any film. Like we've said with like when we did our podcast episode on Iron Iron Man three, Iron Man two even. They're films you can just watch. Yeah, and they're definitely. really enjoyable. They're fun. They're not the best, but they're fun. But she's she's a big you know, she's big into Marvel and stuff like we are, and she wanted to watch them in that order. So <clears throat> I said to her, Look, I've got Disney Plus, but I've also got the comfort of knowing that I've got all twenty three films on Blu ray. 
So if I want to, if I if I really want to watch Spider Man Homecoming, I'm not having to rely. I know it is on Netflix, but I'm not having to rely on it still being on Netflix or maybe popping up on Amazon Prime at some point after it's taken down from that, getting a now TV subscription, or you know doing what she's doing, which is lamenting the fact that it's not on Disney Plus. So I said I can watch that film whenever I want because I paid the money for it. Same with The Incredible Hulk and same with Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. I can do it for whatever I want. So I think if, you, if you've if you got other people giving people those ideas and going into the subscription, but for certain things, non-subscription mindset, then stuff like Blockbuster and stuff can make a resurgence because th- th- they, are, they, they might end up being more needed than people at the current moment realize yeah definitely i think it would stop as well well i don't know if it would but i think it would help with the whole the pirating thing where you know it doesn't happen much but you know there's always a guy outside the pub with a bag of dvds that he's selling (laughs) (laughs) people always say oh you shouldn't buy pirated dvds because they're crap quality they don't work but you know what I've got you know a few about? in the past, and they work really well. Exactly. Some of them, really good. They're, most of them, really bad. But there is the there was the odd one that was, yeah, this this is good quality. See, and, and they say you can't advertise illegal activity on a podcast. <laughs> Who said that? We're it's not like, advertising it. We're just, we're just talking about like, the old days. It's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like websites now where you, where you would go and watch a, a, a film illegally on a streaming site that... Obviously, you don't pay yeah. for socialization site for ripped ripped films. A lot of them now are proper HD and 4K copies. There's very rarely a copy of a film on there that's a cam version. Unless it's a brand new film that does that. Probably they haven't got a decent copy of it yet. See, that's just uh, went in cinemas. See, I when I go on there just to look, obviously not watch. Uh, when I go on there to look. <laughs> A lot of the new films on there, I reckon 85% of the time are proper HD or 4K copies. Yeah, that 15% is are usually cams. But I tell you what, though, when it comes to um, to around the time of year when the Golden Globes are on and the Oscars are on, you get a lot of HD copies there and copies that usually occasionally at the bottom uh, of the film when you're watching it or when it's playing it'll come up saying this this copy is intended for not nominations some what something like that anyway but yeah. for for the people who actually watch them and score it and, and judge the film so, <laughs> is, i'm just it's curious as well as to as to who actually who is the person that's putting them on i was going to say is that some sort of ploy to get people to watch <laughs> a film and then specifically want a, a certain nominee of an award to get it I mean, that would be very devious of them to do that. Well, it um, happens with really through legal means as well, but it happens all the time. When whenever the Oscars are coming around, all the time you'd get these copies that are HD copies, proper proper copies of the film, uh, stating that they're for awards purposes only. But yeah, oh, this... someone put them online. Exactly. Like, someone put but, their copy online. But who is it that's? But with any film that we're seeing online illegally. Who is it that's putting this film out there for us to watch? It's who is that person? Is it, so, is it someone who who works for the 
who works for the company? Is it someone who's a third party who's who's maybe working in cinemas in the cinema or the distribution channels? Yeah, it's... if you're one of those people, comment and let us know. Yeah, we please really do. Know. <laughs> we'll keep your identity secret, so the police yeah, don't check. Promise. But I'd, I'd be very interested to find out how it works. For going diagonal over speed imp, so they don't they don't really care about that, I don't think. I used to love it on DVDs where you don't see sort of see it anymore. But on on DVDs back in the day where uh, it would be the little the little video about piracy in clothing cleaning DVDs. Talking about that, do we, have either of you ever watched the IT crowd? They used yeah, to be on yeah, yeah, I love the IT crowd. And they did the, they did the anti-piracy bit at the beginning yeah. of the episode. I think it's like season two or something. You know, he shoots the girl or the the, per, the kid who's watching it. You know, they get shot in the back of the head. Yeah. It's just all blood. You know, you wouldn't steal you wouldn't steal a policeman's hat. Takes the legs it. It's fucking mm. hilarious that show. I recommend that show to everybody. By the way, if you want to laugh, if you think you're stuck in your house. Go on four O and watch the IT crowd. Richard Iowadi is one of the funniest people. Oh man, yeah. And I gotta like gotta love Noel Fielding in that as well. Yes, yes. You know. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just that's that's a pick me up. See, it's not all about Marvel and DC stuff. You can watch a lot of other things that can really bring you bring your mood round and lift your yeah. spirits. Up. Just, so just. Before we go back on to sort of Batwoman, Batwoman, Flash, and Superman and Lois, if there was one, if you had to get rid of all your DVD collection, or just in general, you could only ever have one DVD. What would that one DVD be for the rest Ooh. of the time? Die Hard, I think. Okay. It's just I'd, I'd, I'd say, uh, which one was it? I'm gonna go with James Bond, Pacific film. I'd say Live and Let Die. Really, you go for Live and Let Die. Living Let Die is a pretty good film. I yeah. gotta stick up for him on this because that is a proper good film. It's that like, now obviously there's a lot of films. Is that that's one of the Roger Moore ones, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, say I'd, say, Moore, I'd say maybe yeah. the best Roger Moore one, maybe mm. alongside the Man with the Golden Gun. So I, I know, yeah. to be fair, I've got all of them on DVD, but I love all of James Bond films. Tell you what, but, Skyfall, yeah. Skyfall, one of the best James Bond films. It is, but I wasn't a big fan Skyfall's of the newer brilliant. James Bond films. The only thing I liked about Skyfall is they went back to Spectre. You know, ca- f- Casino Royale, really good. Yeah. Quantum of Solace, really bad. Skyfall, <laughs> fucking brilliant. And yeah, then, it's like they went back up on themselves. And then you had Spectre, which I really enjoyed, even though it did get it was even though most people didn't really like it. I thought it was really good. And this new one that's coming out. Um, no time to die. I'm looking forward to yes. it. I am. Uh, hopefully, it's good. I like the fact that in the There's first few James Bond films, Spectre is the only one I haven't seen. Oh, uh, so, 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 I like the last one. I like. So, yeah. yeah. I, I actually had a funny conversation with a with a work colleague who um, slandered me almost for not watching Spectre. Oh, really? um, I, I did save myself a bit because I have watched Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall. Um, but I've seen all the other films, right? I think uh, at, at so this, guy, so this, far. Guy came, this guy came off as a big, like, you know, James Bond 007 fan. And I was listing, you know, some of the 
Sean Connery, Roger Moore, some of the more classic films, I guess, now. Yeah, some cinema. And he didn't know, like, he, he hadn't seen them. That, he see, that really annoys me. That really annoys me. You can't call yourself me. a hardcore fan. Yeah. So he hadn't watched, I think the two that I listed, which are two of my favourites, which are, you know, personal favourites rather than all like, you know, great films like Goldeneye and stuff like that. I'm, I really like Diamonds Are Forever, right? Yeah. I really like that. And I really like, what was the other film I suggested? It might have been Thunderball. Okay. I can't remember. They, they, they re-released Thunderball, didn't they? It's Never Say Never Again. But that's not part of the like Thunderball's like the proper one. So yeah. I think it was Thunderball and Diamonds of Diamonds of Forever, I definitely said. And never say like, never again. It's supposed to be ten times better than Thunderball. Well, I've, I've heard that. I like it. I don't know if I, it's better, I've but I do like both, it. I've seen both, but I saw Thunderball first. So what, I was like What did you prefer? I'd say well, I'd say Thunderball just for the sake of conversation now, but I'd have yeah. to watch I haven't watched the old Bond films for a long, long time. And I've never owned them on DVDs at uni. I mean, I just like, which which goes into my other point, because he was like, how do you watch, how do you end up watching films from like, you know, Goldfinger from Russia with Love and stuff like that? And I said, dude, they're on like ITV1, like on a weekend, every morning. <laughs> exactly, like, exactly. Every morning, after all the, the news and the weather and everything like that, you can easily catch, you know, Moonraker yeah. or Octopussy or, or different films. Goldfinger or whatever. Yeah. And I said that's that's what started me into it when I was young when I was a lot younger, you know. Probably, I mean, probably you shouldn't have seen half the scenes in it, but <laughs> it was fucking cool, so I didn't care. I mean if you go into like Sky Movie, sometimes they have just the Sky Movies, that's the James Bond channel. So the all day it's just showing all the James Bond films. They've done it with Star Wars, with Harry Potter and other films like the coffee of the other films they did it with because there's not that many films that I've got. Like yeah, twenty odd films. You, yeah. you mentioned Harry Potter is a good a good uh, thing because I think it was leading up to Christmas, wasn't it? Like ITV One put them on like every day. Yeah. So like from the Philosopher's Stone to you know Deathly Hallows yeah. Part Two, and I thought that was that was pretty cool. You know, um, I did see one one little comment um, about it on Facebook where somebody said you. You could have capped it off by putting Fantastic Beasts on both films, but mm. I don't think I, I, they, they rights take a long time, don't they, to get onto normal Definitely. television? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they're not even on, they're on television like about a year or two after they released on DVD and Blu-ray, and that's a digital download. So, but I was just like, you know, get the fucking box set, just just buy the, just know, buy right? the box set, you know. Yeah. After Fantastic Beasts three uh, comes out. And that gets a physical and a digital release. They'll probably release like a trilogy box set of those films, yeah, they will. with yeah. all of the Harry Potter ones as well. So you've got all of that, you know, franchise all in one place. Then, and I do love, but yeah. I do love a good box set. We've got it on like Memory Lane. I feel like this is yeah. like Memory Lane. It's a good episode. So what, so what was it? We, we the question was, wasn't it? Uh, if we had one DVD, what would it be? And I said James Bond. So who was next? Yeah. To pick a DVD. Well, Darren Rob. went. He said, "Dad, so is me." <laughs> yeah. Let's let's quickly think of something. <laughs> um, do you know what? I might I might have to go with Blues Brothers. Oh, okay, that's good. Which, that's which, a good what, two thousand? No, pardon. No, no, 
No, there was Blue Brothers 2000. There was one called Blue Brothers 2000. There is, and it's terrible. Yeah, that's why I was asking which one. Because there's more than one. The 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 only Blues Brothers film that matters. Fuck it now. Even though it's not my favorite favorite film ever, it's still like one of the best films ever that I've Mm. ever seen. Do you know what I always I found quite interesting and it was slightly disillusioned with the Flash is that they would catch these metahumans and they would stick them in this cell in Star Labs. Yeah. What happens to them then? There's no toilet in there. You don't see them <laughs> bringing them food. They can't get exercise. What are you just letting them rot in these little well, cells? Apparently, apparently they do because like but they they never like show it. Obviously, yeah. you know, to take a piss, Cisco, let me out. Uh, <laughs> they never do that, but, it, you know, they never never show, like, Gerda taking a shit or something. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, what I would assume is that, they really, they should be, after they capture them, they should be getting in contact with someone, and they should be going to a supermax prison for metahumans. Well, that's I the think they think. did do that. Yeah, they did do that. You know, they, they did do that with, like, um, certain yeah. characters. And then, they used to shoot that all of them go there. Basically, when they did, they did an episode where a lot of villains broke out of Star Labs, and then I think mm. they just changed their mind and stopped imprisoning them there. But you right. are right. I mean, I always felt like in the early seasons of The Flash where they were doing that. Exactly. Um, it was yeah. a temporary measure until they move on to something more permanent. Because they, they, they are also draining their own resources in Star Exactly, Lab exactly. To, to make them, you know, yeah. And they're keeping people there who they don't really want to be near anyway because they've tried to no. kill them. No. So it's like, oh, yeah. keep all them. I mean, keep your, you know, keep your enemies closer, I guess. Not <laughs> that close. Yeah, I think, okay. time, I think most of the time they broke out. Also, the Flash is like, obviously, the CW, any CW show always has this formulaic approach to things but yeah the 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 flash used to annoy me a lot as well because arrow did it as well to a point but it was it was when oliver queen wasn't killing people right and then on on and the legends don't seem to have a problem with where the characters live or die really <laughs> no not at all <laughs> which is fucking hilarious because it's because that, that's that's another thing so i'll go on my flash point then my legends point quickly right so the flashpoint was, it was all, always very formulaic. He's a speedster that's fast, faster than most of his adversaries. Yes, they aren't always speedsters, but they still have powers that can stop him or Kid Flash or whoever, right? But it's like, half the time, it's like they, they literally hit him in the face once and then they leave. Uh, and then they're like, well, I suppose, you know, the best thing to do now is to go back to Star Labs and spend five hours trying to figure out where they are rather than... I'm a speedster. I could have followed them. If yeah. they, they they do these scenes where he can speed around the city when he's looking for Iris when she's kidnapped, or he's looking for Joe West when he's kidnapped by Grodd, right? And you're like, why isn't he doing it, that? Why isn't he doing that when he's facing his villains, especially when they're not matters? Like he can fucking hit the gun out their hand or something. Like it's not hard. No. It's like you know, I don't want to kill and all that, but no one's saying that. I know I'm I'm probably breaking an entire you know almost a fourth wall with with this you know and and breaking this formula down and and a character like him is tough to do a, a TV show about. That's that's actually one of the things that I like about Superman and Lois. We're only like a couple of episodes in, and Supergirl as well. Supergirl, even though you know she's more of an experienced fighter now by the current season that she's in and stuff, 
she's still facing enemies that are like alien and metas mm. and stuff that can beat the shit out of her. So that's fair enough. But when she gets beaten the shit out of, she gets beaten the shit out of. Flash literally gets punched in the face once or shot by something once. And then it's like, oh, I can't do nothing about that. Back to Star Labs. <laughs> it's like, no. And that's what I liked about when Arrow, the Flash, and Legends are on. I think Arrow was on season three. It was the League of Assassins, Ra's al Ghul season. Yeah. Um, when he, I think he was, he was people killing are people. People are going to complain about that, Darren. You're right? saying it wrong. Uh? <laughs> You're saying it wrong. It's, people are going to complain. Or saying what wrong? It's so racial. Mean, yeah, exactly. Oh, you said the name wrong. Fair, that show calls him calls him in both. And I've also heard <laughs> Nissa Al Ghul and Nisa, but I only heard you, that one. Like, <laughs> that was a mistake, I think. But anyway, yeah, when he when when he goes back into his it's okay to kill again mantra, that was actually better because half the time it was like, Oh, this villain's gonna get away, not he's killed them. So which was which is fair enough, because now you know the deal. It's like they're not going back to the Arrow Cave, as Felicity bloody called it, and, and started going, hmm. How are we going to stop this guy? Like so a lot of the time they did that, but the times where, but a lot of the time that was because he decided to not kill. So yeah, and, you know, he, he is he doesn't have superpowers. And um, with the Flash, it's like you can literally catch up to them. I think I with the Flash, it's still, literally cross time and space to catch up to them. You know? I think with the Flash, though, some of the powers that these metas had, it makes sense if they don't have powers, but the ones that do have powers, some of the powers seem to be when the Flash tries to catch them, they can easily get away from him. It's almost like they're teasing him, going, oh, yeah, come on, you can get me. No, you can't. So the fact is like, oh, I, I need that. to find a way. I think that, don't you think that then he's not really taking, I know this sounds, fun, this will sound funny now, but don't you think he's not really taking his job seriously enough? Ooh, you got me this where... time. Oh, fuck them. Put them in jail. Or, you know, yeah. make them shit themselves. It's Star Labs, like Rob assumes that they do. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? You know, I like to start <laughs> yourself the Star Labs deal. I mean, I think it's the case as well. You know, Legends have this thing where you, it, Legends were supposed to be, you know, former vigilantes, heroes, and criminals and stuff, rolled yeah. around, all get put together. But then, very quickly, either it's because the characters were like rubbing off each other through the progression of the seasons and the show, but it was okay because it was like, you know. I mean, half the time when Rory's using, you know, Heatwave is using his gun and, like, Captain Cold, I'm like, sometimes the shot for me is a little bit too long. Yeah, if you shoot the Flash or something, then they're probably going to withstand it. But they, these are normal people that they're encountering through different time periods. They are probably going to die. Right? There's <laughs> a cold gun and a heat gun. They're probably going to die. And then Ray Palmer will walk over and go, and go, huh, toasty. Or something, just make a joke. And I'm like, this is fucking <laughs> corpse on the floor what the fuck are you on about you're supposed to be this hero who like didn't like green arrow because he shot arrows and people but immolation and sub-temperature freezing that's okay in your book is it right you fucking sadist like even make jokes about it <laughs> look at that army we killed yesterday mm. in the 14th century it's like i get your point with the flash but at the same time i think they're trying to like if they make it so that he can catch the villains too easily you're gonna get mm. the people comparing oh well, he's the Flash, so that means that he's very overpowered. You know, there's nobody apart from another speedster who really stands a chance against him, so... But, uh, before we talk about Guardians, one last thing that I, uh, I wanted to talk about, also to do with the CW, was the live-action Powerpuff Girls series that they're doing. A lot of... They've done really bad live-action. So the, the one example I can think of is when they 
which made the first season of the Avatar animation into a film which no one liked. Now, do you know what? Wait, what do you mean? Sorry. Wait, what, you know the Avatar specifically the Last Airbender. So, yeah, the Last Airbender. They made a film called Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, was basically but, the the first season in the film. Yeah, that wasn't but, obviously by the CW though, was it? It was Ang Lee who did the Life yeah, but, of Pi. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the people who did uh, the actual original no, no, show. No, I believe believe it or not, I actually really I've got that on DVD. I enjoy that. <laughs> I actually quite enjoy it. <laughs> not gonna lie. I'm basing this opinion. I'm basing this fact more on that the actor who played Ang even slags the film off. Most of the characters who were in, most of the actors who were in that film, it's like they 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 regret being in that film. Hayden Christensen's in that film. Yeah, I know. I think he's. I think. He's one of the few that kind of like either didn't really have much of an opinion on it, like it was okay. Yeah. He wasn't that bothered but, about. But you're right, very much so. Everyone, everyone who likes Avatar does not like this film. So I think with Powerpuff Girls, I mean they remade Powerpuff Girls into a, like they redid it as a new TV show. I think. Um, uh, as so in, like, as like, in they they did another animated version of it. Yeah, something like that. Okay. It's like a remake sort of thing. Right. Like, I think that came out last year or the year before. I didn't actually watch it. I just yeah. it came out. But the, the CW, you're right. The CW have a habit of remaking stuff. Like Charmed, for example. Haven't seen it. Charmed, the original Charmed, fucking brilliant. I yes. don't know. I don't know how this remake has gone. You know what? I, I haven't heard anything good about it. Let's just put it that way. I, I will say that. I think I will say that when it first came out. So I don't know about season two and three because I haven't watched them. Yeah. But basing it purely on the first season, a lot of people had good things to say about it. From, only from the point of view is that while it is a remake, it, the characters do not have the same name as the original cast from, no. from the original Time series. Okay. It's not set in the same city as well, and so it's, it's almost like it's a completely different show in a way. It's, because, a, it's a loose, it's a loose remake. Yeah, it's a loose remake. So I'd say it's more of an adaptation than a remake. Because I'm intrigued to see what they do with this property because a first of all. It's it's not little girls that you've got playing the roles. It's probably be teenagers. It's well, Chloe Bennett. She's got to be in her twenties. He's like sort of late twenties okay, so, easily. Yeah. And then you've got Dove Cameron, who's about nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, yeah. and Yana Peralt, who I've never heard of. So clearly, they're not going. I I don't know whether they would go the route of their origin. Because obviously in the in the first episode of the original Powerpuff Girls, you see them getting created and stuff, and you see that in their intro to the yes. show all the time. So I don't know whether they would do a quick brief scene in episode one as to how they were created, because obviously they are created; they're not born. Um, mm. They're created by their dad in a lab. Is live action? Is it yes, live action. It's live action. It's a TV. So it's not a film, it's a TV show. Live action, TV live show. action series, yeah. Um, right, so just like Netflix are doing a live action avatar, which is meant to be... Yes, like, exactly. Like exactly. So that sounds really good, though. It does, actually. Yeah, but anyway. so what my question was, was like, what, what kind of thing do you think they're going to do? What what kind of route do you think this is going to go? Like, If they're not going to go with them when they're young, I mean, obviously they're going to be young, but because they were created in a lab, I don't think they're, I don't think they actually age. So I don't know how that works, but I mean, it's hard, no, it's hard I don't think they do. It's hard with cartoons. I mean, look at the Simpsons. Thirty plus years and they're still kids. Family Guy as well. Another one. She was still a baby, and it's been going on for how many years? So you've got. So it's hard to say what they're going to do. I mean, 
Because the premise of Powerpuff Girls is that they they sort of go on adventures, like us yeah. protecting the world from like mad scientists, bank robbers, and aliens. Obviously, with their special powers and stuff. I assume that's it's going to be that. I assume it's going to yeah. be that. Like them. I think they're going to take. Unless I don't know. Each the week, there's going to be a baddie, and there is going to like, be some the week uh, concept. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. My other thing was that obviously Mojo Jojo. Yes. The big villain is a of, monkey. <laughs> of yeah, of the of the animated show, and um, he was a big part of it. Now, obviously, yeah. I I do believe they they're going to have Mojo Jojo in this. But, they have to really. Yeah, they would have to. But who do you think should play Mojo Jojo? Bear in mind, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Whether it's going to be fully CGI or it's going to be a bit practical and a bit CGI. Because essentially, what it is, it's a fucking monkey in a cape with a fucking massive yeah. brain. I think they should go either Seth Green doing the voice or... Do you know what? That's go... a shout. That's a shout. Yeah, I think Seth Green's probably the best choice for it. But if they, if he won't do it, I can't see why he wouldn't. But if he, if he won't do it, I want to say... I don't know how much you agree with this. Potentially Vin Diesel. And I'm basing this purely on the fact of that I love him as a group because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, maybe Vin Diesel probably wouldn't be the best choice for it, but... <laughs> Zeph Green, though, he's a very talented voice actor. Well, with that, we may as well move on to Guardians of the Galaxy, which is why we're here today. Yes. Uh, so it came out in 2014. Uh, August slash July. Some places got it August, some places got it July. Uh, directed by James Gunn, who did Sliver, which I haven't seen, but I hear is very, very, very good and one of the better horror films. Uh, he also did Super, which is Rain Wilson, and Super is a really fucking good film. It's basically about this guy whose girlfriend cheats on him and leaves him for a drug dealer, and she's also like a heroin addict. So this drug dealer is so Rain Wilson's character. He basically he doesn't believe that she's there of her own free will and is being yeah. drugged up and kept. But really, it is the case that she wants to be there and she wants mm. to leave Rain Wilson's character. And he goes out of his way to start to like practice being becoming a vigilante. And sort of makes his own costume, like just buys a load of comic books and starts reading, does research. But he gets help. But yeah, Ellen Page or Elliot Page, as they are now known. But yeah, she's in it as well. And basically, they they sort of become this vigilante superhero team, and they just go and attack criminals and beat people up and all sorts. It's fucking hilarious. And it's it's really like there's a lot of fucking blood and and action. It sounds a bit like Death Wish. Like Death this Wish one guy, he this one guy gets hit over the head repeatedly with a hammer, and just gets his head caved in. It's fucking brutal. Sounds it. <laughs> but honestly, it's a really good indie film. It's well, to be fair, a, J- J- James Gunn, I don't, I don't think he's ever done a bad film. To be fair. No. The, he then, but he did those two films, and then the only other film is like, well, I say film uh, before Guardians because he's done a bit of TV as well. Mm. Uh, he did. Have you seen the film Movie Forty Three? I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It's made up of lots of different segments. It's almost like different sketches. 
Is it a parody um, film? Like epic movies, stuff like that. Do you like that one? Not a parody film, but in the in the in the is very much in the essence of one of those kinds of films. Uh, where it's just dumb fucking shit that happens. That is that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Some of it is, yeah. But he directed one of the segments in that because they brought on a load of different directors to direct different parts of the film and different okay. segments in the film. Uh, but mm. no, you're right, James Gunn, I don't think has done a bad film, to be honest. I, mean, I, can't, I can't wait to see his take on the Suicide Squad. Uh, it looks fucking epic. It looks Yeah, and, what's, and he's doing a couple of other films based around the Suicide Squad as well, or the TV shows. Yeah, so Peacemaker. That's the one, Peacemaker. Uh, John, Cena's, yes. John Cena's character, that's got a TV series. But yeah, so Guardians, though, it had a budget of $170 million. All these films, swear, they, they all have the same bloody budget. Um, but no, it's worldwide gross to date though is 773 million, so not not a bad go at all. Yeah. And essentially, you have your budget, and then you take so 170 million that would be your budget to make the film, but then marketing is double that as well. So really, yeah. you're looking at what 340 million for the for the making of the film and the marketing of the film. So for it to then do 773 million, that's that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. What what did you think of Guardians? You know what I said that I think I said before that there was a film there was a film that I classed the best because when I said some of my films that I picked they weren't that good or I was like I rated them really low. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I'd rate as one of the highest. This, it's just so yeah, cause it's just really funny. This is the by far the funniest film so yeah, far. I mean, You've got characters who have funny moments, like Loki yeah. or the Hulk, but Jet, like, but the Hulk in the Avengers, not the Hulk in his own film, but like when he's doing, like when he punches Thor or when he yeah. goes puny god about Loki. Mm. But Guardians of the Galaxy is just as a whole film. There's this so is many funny definitely, moments. this is definitely more of a comedy. This is this, one of its main, one of its main genres of this is comedy. I mean, when do you sure. when do you see a when do you see a superhero that's basically dancing around, picks up an alien creature? Start singing into exactly. it while he's, while he's looking for an Infinity Stone that he doesn't know is an Infinity I, Stone for one thing. I think this film melds it melds its genres very well from being very serious and very dramatic and emotional to being batshit funny. The very start, for example, Peter Quill's mom is fucking dying of cancer. You're fucking almost tearing up thinking she's yeah. about to die any second to this horrible disease and she's gone forever and everyone's just there waiting for her to die (laughs) and then then all of a sudden she dies and pete is screaming and can't can't keep a hold of himself and he runs out he runs out and then gets taken by the ravagers and then next bit he's having a ball laughing laughing and bloody singing and all sorts weird shit yeah (laughs) Like, is it, a, it, is, a, it is 26 years later, but it did, I, it did that so well from getting really emotional and sad to being so fucking funny. Did you notice as well, like, was it just me or did his mum look like the ancient one from uh, Doctor Strange? You know what? She did a bit. Because <laughs> I thought to myself when I first seen that, I was like, cause I rewatched it yesterday. I was like, is that the ancient one? No, nah, it can't <laughs> be. <laughs> it can't be. She played a, a private in um, Captain America, the first Avenger as well. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, she's technically been in two films. She's uh, one of like a handful of actors that have that oh, have done okay. that. She's had, like, a really minor role, 
Yeah, it's got one of the best soundtracks, this movie, as well. Oh, uh, definitely. I'll tell you what, tell uh, you what I, I didn't understand at the start, and it's probably just me being stupid, and it's not. it doesn't really mean anything. Why on earth was Pete... I assume it's his uncle, or a family friend, or another relative, granddad. Some relative, yeah. It's the, it's the guy who says, oh, you better wait out here after his mum's fucking died. Who does that, though? Yeah, who does that? Hey, I, I understand it from yeah, the point the, of view that the he's, he's that screaming, off, yeah. he's crying. The oh, doctors right, are about, okay. that The doctors yeah. are about to unplug her, blah, yeah, blah, blah. He's hysterical, so he, he does need to be sort of kept out of the way. Yeah, but the fact that he takes him out of the room and then walks back no in. No one goes with him, though. Yeah. No one goes with him to comfort him. No, if he would have comforted him, it would have been more no sense. No one even chases after him, like, oh, Peter, where are you going? Hold on, don't run away. I think they did that on purpose, though. So, like, that's when what, he went that's to what I'm that's what I'm yeah, sort of like Yondu is, you know, it's explained more in volume two, their relationship and his relationship with the Ravagers in general, anyway. Yondu sort of becomes like a father figure for him before. Which he you, not, you don't that. see that in the first film, though. Yeah, but so it, it, it I, I thought that was a bit. I mean, they, when they did the sort of the, the closing up shot of, of his, like, reaction where he's just standing there alone i gotta be honest at, at that time i didn't think that but then after i watched the movie i i, I thought yeah i did think i remember saying i like there was no one there for him yeah uh, especially i think that was supposed to be his grandfather yeah what what do you guys think of i mean we started off with the with the actual guardians of the galaxy at first i mean who's your favorite character and why is a good question Ooh, that is a good question oh. First of all, I would just like to say the whole ensemble cast of this film is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Oh, out the park. Yeah, definitely. Everyone, everyone is is brilliant. You can't fault yeah. anyone really. I'm even gonna Katarina, say Katarina. What's her name? Karina. That's it. Even mm. Karina was like, "I will no longer be your slave." I was exactly. like, "Exactly." Yeah, There's no one who gives a bad performance. Maybe Jurak. Because, like, where you can go from being serious about summer, where you go, oh, when, like the bit where uh, Peter Quill is coming flying through space, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. And he just went there to get his fucking uh, Walkman, and he goes, you're pathetic. <laughs> just like, you know, it's, he goes from being deadly serious, and goes, oh, you're epic, and he goes, you're a prick, <laughs> kind of thing. Darren? He's kind of, he's kind of a lovely. <laughs> um, I would probably go with Gamora. Do you know what? I was going to say Gamora. Because she's, I mean, her, her sort of slogan, her tagline in, in Marvel Comics is she's the most dangerous woman in the universe. I think they say that in the, in the film as well, when the Nova Corps are, like, reviewing them in the kiln. Yeah, she she was my she was my favourite, that she was, like, a, a turncoat from, like, Thanos' side. Exactly. And that, and that she, she still didn't, it wasn't like, like, sometimes when a betrayal happens in a, in a TV show or a film, it's very much, you know, as, almost as quick as a switcheroo. But with her, it was like, you know, she was she was going off her, her own back um, yeah. at the start. You know, she was trying to do everything. You you, you kind of felt like she could have pro- she could have possibly done it on her own. And I also I just like that you had that link with Thanos because obviously you you get into the point where things keep leading up to him. Um, making its eventual appearance as well, and yeah. her and Nebula were the were the same the same sort of thing. That's why Neb- Nebula to me is my favourite villain. 
She she is very good. Like, they sister relationship. Yeah. So and I, I think that's one of the best relationships in all of the MCU. Gamora and Nebula's, you know, love hate kind of uh, most, most relationship that they have. What did you guys think of Ronan the Accuser? Now, Ronan the Accuser is one of my favourite villains, but my only problem is we didn't see enough of him, but that's because there's so many people in this film. Yeah, it's one of those films where there's that many characters, it's hard but, to get everybody in. Exactly. But, but what you do see him... Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Lee Pace, great actor. I, I think his... I'd say I think his... Appearance in this film is probably better than his appearance in what other film was he in? Um, I don't think he's been in any films before this one, but I'm pretty sure he was in Captain Marvel. He was in Captain Marvel, yeah. He, he didn't have the black face paint on. No, no. With um, but and I, I can't remember if he had his Warhammer, which is a really cool weapon. He's also like, apart from Malekith in in Thor: The Dark World. He's also one of the only believable villains that isn't Thanos that can fully utilize an Infinity Stone. Like it doesn't yeah. kill him or yeah. anything. It just makes him. He's already brutally strong, and it just makes him even more of a force to be reckoned with. And I did like Jaimon Honzu's portrayal of Korath the Pursuer yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. Not if only for its line of who, <laughs> you know. But, um, I I no, love that. I like the bit. Uh, at the end, um, when the in the in the fight at the end, where he remembers Star Lord's name. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's so I, funny. Yeah. <laughs> do you think is it, just, <laughs> is it just me, or do you think they've kind of they've confused a lot of people? Because there are points in the films. It's not just this film where they do it. But I think that it they might have done it in uh, Captain Winter Soldier as well, where with the with the Infinity Stones. They always claim that no one can touch the Infinity Stones because it would destroy them. But yet, in the next breath, they say only powerful individuals can use the Infinity Stones without like having any adverse effects. So obviously, we see in this film that you know Peter Peter Quill with help is able to use it towards the end, and obviously Roman the Accuser uses it with no problem. I mean, Thanos needs to have his glove to use it, but it's possible that he could use at least one Infinity Stone without the glove. You know, it, it always seems to be that the Infinity Stones would kill anybody who uses them, yet they also, in the next breath, they're saying, oh, a powerful individual can use them, but that's it. It's a bit thing, because, like, you know, you, you see, like I said, you, you see Malekith using the, the Ether, the Reality Stone. Um, mm. You see Loki using the Tesseract to get around and using the Mind Stone in the Scepter that he has. And then the Mind Stone kills everyone apart from Wanda and Pietro. So yeah. I, I think it's, I think maybe with all of the stones, it's just got to be sort of used right. Yeah. And I think the power stone in Guardians of the Galaxy, the orb, that was the most sort of straightforward one because Ronan the Accuser is immensely powerful, so he can probably handle it. I think your mm. theory about Thanos is right. I think he probably could with any of them, to be honest. Like you said, the Infinity Gauntlet is probably only there, really, so he can have all six at a time without literally carrying them around with him. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's sort of infinity stone wagon or something. I remember from the point of view, though, that they, they have specified that nobody can touch them or they'll die, yet then they say in the next breath that certain individuals can use them. I, mean, you well, say that I no think that's what the it. collector was trying to explain. 
Yeah, the collector, the collector basically showed you one the of the celestials. Of he used the power stone, I think, like in a massive staff or scepter or something. Slammed mm. it down on the ground, and then it was like destroying the entire species on planets. Yeah. And stuff. So using that, I think I think he just stated that like I think he was always supposed to be only powerful beings can can use them. But then they 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 also did the whole thing, you know, with um. It's, it's part of that confusion is that they introduced you to three infinity stones already and didn't say that they were infinity stones. Mm. It's only in this film that they're actually referenced as infinity yeah. stones. Yeah. And then it shows you the three or four that were introduced. I think I don't even think it showed you the mind stone because people were still thinking that it was just a, so it was to do with the tesseract is um because the casing was the same color so yeah. they were going color which sounds less daft than what it is isn't it because they introduced them all as different colors anyway it was only avengers age of ultron where you were like oh the case cracked and then it's the mind stone and it's putting vision's head so i, I think it shows you the, the the space reality and power stones a little glimpse of the celestials that's a hella easter egg because that that'll tie into the eternals yeah. and you can't see it to be the very that's like another like a twofer thing because either they didn't have an idea of doing anything about the Eternals at the time, but it's really paid off for them as an Easter egg now that they have. Yeah. Or they were always planning to. So it was meant to be there all along. So either way, that's really clever on their part. Well, uh, we see two Celestials, don't we? Because we see the one that he shows you in when he's exploring the Infinity Stones. And then yeah. nowhere is actually built inside of the head of an infinity of an yeah, celestial. Yeah, the head of a celestial as Gamora puts it. But the celestials um, are all sorts of different characters. Because isn't Stanley's cameo basically where he's a celestial sort of thing, or at the very least a watcher? Or oh, is one's in Volume Two? I think it was Volume Two. Yeah, where you see him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, people always said that he was either a celestial or a watcher, one of the two. Because in, in this film, he's a Zandarian ladies' man. <laughs> well, yeah. Rock, rock it calls a prima donna or something. If you look at the little, um, another cool Easter egg as well is when the Nova Corps are reviewing the five of them. Or, well, he's not reviewing Drax, but re- reviewing the, the other four. It does show you when they fact find little, little Easter eggs. And yeah, stuff. it does. So, like, Rocket has, um, I can't remember her name, but Rocket has, like, there's a female raccoon who's bioengineered to be like Rocket. It's, it's his love interest, and it says it in, like, known associates. It says oh, Groot. Okay. Says well, yeah, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy films, like, both of them, I feel, have got the most Easter eggs in any film. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. James Gunn's been, like, a clever mastermind there of putting them in where you wouldn't, you know, like, who who of us the first time watched seeing the Collector's Archive noticed Howard the Duck? I didn't the first time, but I did yesterday. I was like, what reference is that for? How did it look? And Cosmo the Space Dog as well. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who is a girl who is a psychic, has psychic or, like, psionic abilities in the comics. And the fact that the dog runs away and then comes back at the end, it's like, why? Yeah. There's a dark elf in there as well. Yeah. There is. And, yeah. and a Chitauri, uh, Chitauri mm. soldier from the Avengers movie. So he has quite a lot, though. Um, Adam Warlock's cocoon is in there as well. Yeah, so, it is. That's a really weird one, though, because the the thing with Easter eggs like that is is that you, you've either got stuff that, like a sort of a, a, um, 
a not very good copy of Captain America's shield being in Iron Man 2 and stuff like that. Stuff like that can sort of either explain itself or be ignored. That's one of the Easter eggs so far that really needs to be explained. Definitely. Because how did Aisha get him from the collector's archive, which you basically see is in absolute ruins. Maybe that's actually valid. It touches the power stone. Yeah, and you're like, well, how does she get to there? And, and it also seems like their species create, you know, they're supposed to be creating like the perfect men and women, basically, aren't they? Or humanoids. And it seems yeah. like they Adam there. So what's that cocoon for then? Are we supposed to just sort of ignore it and just think, oh, it's a funny Easter egg from way back when in that film? Or is there going to be a story about Adam Warlock further down the line? I really hope there is. There probably will be. I mean, maybe it's kind of like, you see his cocoon, so maybe they they, maybe they, they do something like when she gets it that makes it the way it is when we see it. So it's yeah, different. Like, I, 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 you know, you have a feeling that every time they come to the end of a trilogy, like they've done with Iron Man and... Thor and Captain America, it always has these parts that harken back to what happened in the first and second films. You know what I mean? Like Civil War had Peggy Carter's funeral in it and stuff mm. like that. Iron Man 3 had elements of both the first two Iron Man films in it. Yeah. So I imagine the volume three isn't just going to be like Thor and the Guardians. I believe that it's, it probably is going to add Adam Warlock to the roster of Guardians of the Galaxy members like he is in the comics. Mm-hmm. I also, one of, one of the things that I would say I was a little bit disappointed for, but that was only based on my own presumption, was I was expecting to see Nova because the Nova Corva featured heavily in this film. Yeah. Where is Richard Ryder? Where is he? There's no mention. Maybe he was off-world at the time. He might be, because Xandar is just, you, you're introduced to the planet of Xandar, but as it's mentioned in the film, it's an entire empire. They take mm, a yeah. large part of of a real-life galaxy, but obviously they've put a fictitious spin on it. So, yeah, is he off-world? His powers are sort of depend on Xandar and the Nova Corps functioning as well. Well, well, hopefully at some point we'll see him, because he is in Endgame. Ooh, Nova? Yeah, he's in Endgame. Is he? Yeah. Is he? <laughs> yeah. I know what said it. <laughs> when, you know when they all come through the, um, the yeah. portals? Yeah. Before they all start running, I think it's as they're all running and it's sort of panning across everyone, you can mm. just about see Nova. Oh, so more like a cameo or Easter egg kind of appearance. Well, I, th- I thought the only Easter egg in that film was, was a blink and you miss it, like Howard the Duck. See, how, I mean, not going to lie, it's, it's a lot easier to see Howard the Duck than it is to see Nova, but Nova is in Endgame. So it's probably, it probably I is like And is the, the Russo's confirmed that. it as well. No one's in it. Yeah. Even if you just look at a part of the frame, it's not even blinking your miss. It is. If you don't specifically look right here at this specific time, you won't <laughs> see it. It uh, says the, the first thing that I've... Um, I, I just typed Avengers Endgame Nova in uh, Google search. Yeah. And the first thing that comes up is... Russo Brothers debunk Richard Ryder's Nova was in Avengers Endgame. Really? Yeah. That's very you interesting. You know, you know, I think some people thought that it was Nova, but it was actually Rescue. Because you see, you didn't we see get Rescue, it. though. I know you see Rescue, but I mean, when, when it shows you, when it does like a, a panning shot of all of the characters running and flying, mm-hmm. you see Iron Man and you see War Machine, 
but then you see something else glowing that's flying. And I think people people didn't, you know, at the time were like, oh, that's probably Nova. It would have been a very weird cameo if it so was true. Because he was not featured in any film. So yeah. it's, it's all of the other characters were. I don't know, but I always, you know, I always like things like this anyway, if they're going to put little things into films like this. Yeah. I, I didn't know about the Howard the Duck thing until like a year after. I, I'd rather see, like like they're doing with, um, they're doing an I Am Groot short on Disney+. Plus. I think they should do one on Howard the Duck. They're um, doing, they're doing a Guardians Christmas special. They oh, are, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing like a short or a TV special of Howard the Duck and one about Cosmo the Space Dog as well. That'd be pretty cool. I'm just surprised that they haven't announced anything to do with uh, with Nova. What did you, what did you guys think of the humour in the movie? Did you think at any times it fell flat, or did you think it was no? Very old? No, I think it was very funny. It's very funny. Probably one of the best one for the humour element. It's one of the best of all of us. There's a lot of films where they try to be funny and they kind of succeed, but in this film, they try to be funny and they are funny. I mean, well, as, yeah, Rob, as, as Rob said, it's very, it's a, it's, it's almost like a, like a comedy film in essence. It like, does you, well in merging and molding the different genres from comedy to action to drama for it to being super sad and then super funny. It's yeah, it it's very good at molding and merging Do you think everything. The had had put into the into this movie was done. You know, like you said, blended into the other genres as well. Do you think that that was done better than other humour in other films, like in particular Joss Whedon's handling of the humorous parts in Avengers? Oh, and definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely. you don't get sick of the jokes at all. I never get no. tired. Volume two as well, which, which you know, maybe slightly overdone here with the humour, um, like a lot of people thought, but I didn't think that it think was like. You know, like the trash panda stuff and all that, it still makes me laugh in that movie. Yeah. In this movie, you know, we're just like Kevin Bacon. You know, that makes me at least chuckle, like, every time I see it, mm. um, rather than go, you know, fucking Joss Whedon again. <laughs> Bullying his members into making jokes. <laughs> I think it's funny when you're trying to teach Gamora how to dance, and he's like, oh, yeah, just like Kevin Bacon in Footloose. It's like, yeah. what? That, that's how you teach I, I will not be subject to your pelvic sorcery. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, no. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. The pelvic sorcery makes me laugh. And what? what oh, no, I think that's in volume two. I always get a joke from except when she mispronounces David Hasselhoff's name, it says something completely different. And, <laughs> and Peter still gets what she's trying to say. Stuff like that is, is great. One of, one of my favourite... Um, it's one of my favourite Stan Lee cameos as well in this film because it's not Stan Lee himself being funny. It's what Rocket says. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just like Stark saying, uh, hey, Heth, and stuff like that. You know, oh, it's Larry King and stuff like that. That's mm. quite funny. But this one is, like, proper. Yeah, definitely. I think, you see, I think you hear him saying about it before you see who is saying it as well. I, I have a feeling you might be right. Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, oh, a raccoon is saying it. <laughs> big what, tree, you know. What's your favourite bit in this film? Because oh. the, the whole film is great. Yeah, it's hard to pick a favourite bit, I'd say. My, one of my favourite parts, like, I, I can't pick a favourite part, because I, I can't pick between the funny bits and the, the dark bits and stuff. I like both. Mm. Yeah. One of my, my favourite parts is probably... Um, one in the prison. Are you answering for me now? 
<laughs> uh, I'm gonna say in the prison, and I know the scene you're on about. I tell <laughs> you what, though, I tell you, talking, talking of the prison, the prison, the prison scenes are fucking hilarious, and they the fact good. that we're at the when they're about to, when they're all finally in the mission control room, and um, and Peter brings a leg. And Rocket's just like, yeah, I just did that for a joke. I didn't, I didn't actually want the leg. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that guy going, you know, that was my favourite knife. Like, that made me laugh. Out. That did actually make me that, laugh. That out. was hilarious. Stuck in you that found it so for him as well. You're like, oh, you lost your knife. Yeah, oh. you're like, I don't even know this guy and stuff like that. It's at the start part of the movie, really, when Star-Lord gets off the planet and he's like, um, he doesn't know the, the woman's name. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I gotta be honest with you, I forgot you were even there. And she just looks at him like <laughs> That's shocked, funny. shocked. That's just funny. Turns off. It is really funny. My favourite like dark part is probably like a lot of people go with, you know, Thanos in his chair. But mine's probably the introduction to Ronan. When he puts that black That's liquid so cool. in the thing. That is and so cool. It shows cool. the inside of his craft. It's the um it's not the necro craft, because they're the little things, the Sakaran's um mm. pilot. That's the other thing that I thought was a, was a you I I thought was a bit odd for like a second that Ronan doesn't have Cree soldiers, but then I, but then it tells you that he's a he's he rebelled from yeah. the Crees. He's, yeah. he's not gonna have Crees. I was like, oh okay. It's quite bad though, isn't it? It's a rebellion, and none of the other Cree want anything to do with you. I think it it <laughs> did. Oh, it, then. <laughs> do you know what? It did well at explaining everything. It actually in did. Yeah. Film. Like, there wasn't a point where well, why is he doing this or what what on earth are they doing this for why is this not, not do what it, it exp- i feel like it explained everything yeah to yeah. a point where it's like oh, okay oh, fair no. enough it's almost a different take on the Cree because if you remember when in captain marvel the Cree are virtually everybody's enemy but then in this film they've made they've come into a treaty with the nova corps and they even the nova corps even asking them to help them good. deal with Ron and they're like, yeah, sorry, it's got nothing to do with what it's your problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's what I think. They, like, you know, oh, he's that, no, that's not of no concern to us. But the, the Kree are sort of like that in the, in the comics as well. They're, they're seen as like an ally and an enemy, depending on the character and whose story is telling. They are more or less a self-serving race, a self-serving empire, where they will do things for their own benefit. Um, Ronan breaks the sort of thing there because he's doing it for... A singular benefit. It's only to benefit yeah. himself. I did like the scene as well when uh, Thanos is on the screen as like a hologram of his face. Yeah. And he says, you know, after I'm done with Xandar, I'm coming after you. And you genuinely think that Ronan can take him. Like, that's how strong mm. the panther is. You genuinely thought like when they, you know, they have that Nova Corps officer prisoner and he says, I will, you know, you burn Xandar to the ground. And he says, no, I will cure it. And then swings the warhammer, and then it it cuts off just as it strikes his head. Yeah, you knew that it took his fucking head off. So and brutal stuff like that was like pretty pretty cool. My my only thing my only thing about um the MCU with it when it comes to characters like the Collector is that they're kind of confusing Celestials with Elders of the Universe. Like they're not the same thing. No. And then, no, in not. the MCU, but I suppose it's just a a simplification on their part, you know. 
because when when everything is fictitious then it can get a bit confusing as to what you know who's what and what's going on so like collector grandmaster and ego are all supposed to be celestials then he's showing you like when when you said nate with the infinity stones he's showing you one of the celestials which i think is called eon the searcher the one with the um yeah he has like vertical lights yeah he is an actual celestial so it's like it's a bit weird how he is a celestial and you are as well they're they're not ego i think is the only one who states that he is one i don't think that they say collector is and ego is a living planet so he's not really humanoid size but no what i was going to say though i love the introduction of when we get rocket Groot and gamora and I love the chase scene, I think, and the action in that. I think that's really well done. I think that's one of my favourite parts of the film. Yeah. Where they're all trying to fucking get away from each other, but they're all trying to capture Quill. I would, I would have liked. All right, one thing maybe then in hindsight, I would have, I would have liked Ronan to have survived, only to have become a member of the Guardians himself, because in the comics he does. Yeah. So I, he, he takes on the sort of a more heroic role but that that could have worked because the guardians aren't shown to be like the avengers yeah they're, they're shown mm-hmm. to be like crops and con artists and thieves and stuff uh but yeah it, it i i would have maybe if they went down that route but because of how much i like volume two as well and how much guardians have, have done in in subsequent movies I feel like that was really needed anyway but yeah. at the time they did want that to be the case definitely top five this film overall overall then what would you rate it out of ten? Nine. nathan straight up nine 9.5 okay i'm gonna go a solid eight a very solid eight just because as i watched it today and even though it's a really good film it blends genres really well it blends all the action really well with the comedy i don't because there's there's so many characters in there. I feel like that some characters could have done with a little bit more screen time. As much as they tried to get so everyone in as best as they could because of mm. how much of a big of an ensemble it was, I feel like there were some people who maybe should have got more screen time than they did, like Ronin. Uh, one of those characters yondu i'd say yondu could have used more screen time as well i like the bit at the end where they're talking and they go so glad that we didn't give him to his dad (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it's difficult it is difficult because every time someone is on screen they're they're giving it their all they're doing their best yeah and i can't fault anyone i just feel like it it needed some people just needed more screen time that's I feel like that's why I'm giving it an eight. The Sakaran yeah. soldier as well, who are just a little Easter egg as well before we wrap it up. The Sakaran soldier that approaches Yondu, you know, when he whistles and his arrow goes through all the different soldiers. And yeah. the space blows it up. The Sakaran soldier says something like, you know, well, well, Yondu, Dante, or something like that. Um, James Gunn voices him. The oh, okay. soldier. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm not sure if it's in this film or the next film, but I, I'm sure that um, a computer console might be by the Nova Corps. Rob Zombie does the voice for it. Oh, okay. It might be in this film or the next one. It might be both, actually. I think he did both. I'm not mm. really sure, but he does definitely have like a an uncredited cameo. 
And Thanos okay. isn't credited. Is he not? He's not, which is it's really weird because he's like he's he has like an actual bit of the film. First um, time we first time we hear Josh Brolin's voice as well. Yeah, but Josh Brolin, I don't think he's credited because and, like, the other is who comes oh. back. Rather, Alexis Denisoff plays again. The okay. Ronan twists his neck, which is a pretty brutal death as well. Oh yeah, I weren't expecting him to die. I thought he would just be like Thanos's advisor going further on no not the case but there we are throwaway villain there I suppose so. <laughs> who gives <laughs> a shit <laughs> so no Rotten Tomatoes though we're giving it a 92% I'm not going to go through the reviews because they're all positive I'll read the, what I'll do though I'll read the critics consensus and it states uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is just as irreverent as fans of the frequently zany Marvel comic would expect as well as funny thrilling full of heart and packed with visual splendour and I think that that's exactly what Guardians of the Galaxy is. Yeah, fucking brilliant film. And uh, next week, uh, we've got bloody Age of Ultron. Another big one. But but there we have it. Well, now that we've reached the end of the episode, it is time for a game. And this week, we are playing Filthy Pitches. Now, I've spun the wheel. We all know what's going on. Uh, but for you guys at home, uh, Filthy Pitches, basically... Either Nathan or Darren get the opportunity to pitch a film that they are going to make or invent, etc., whatever you want to call it. So they're coming up with a completely new film idea. Uh, I give them a genre, decade, a title character, and basically they have to put this film together and what the plot is and what the name of the film is. Uh, This time it's Darren. Darren's film... It's an action comedy. It's set in the 70s, and the main character is a zombie. So when uh, you're ready, take it away. Uh, well, the name of the film that I was going to call Retro Zombie or Zombie Retro, I couldn't really figure out which way around those two words. would. But obviously, because you've put it in the 70s setting, so the, the retro part fits. And the plot would be relatively quite simple for a 70s film sort of like George A. Romero based, but it would, it would be, it, it wouldn't be the, so the plot would be that a man would be killed in a gunfight, sort of crossfire between two rival gangs, is stumbling in an alley, falls to his knees in pain, he's shot in the stomach, drops him to his knees, he falls to the floor, he does the whole sort of close-up shot with his hands trying to sort of call for help or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he dies. Gets put in the hospital, gets put in the morgue. When he's about to be put in the draw, he wakes up. Now, throughout all of the movie, you never find out why why he's even able to do this. Right? right that would okay. be one of the unanswered questions of the movie. In essence, he's he is essentially a zombie, like undead, but not in the sense of like walkers in the Walking Dead and things like that, um, no. where it's like falling apart. People would assume that he like wears makeup and things like that because of him, you know, not having much colour or anything. And he would end up, you find out later on that he was off duty as a police officer. It ends up becoming, the plot ends up developing into a buddy cop kind of movie. Like Beverly Hills Cop, like that sort of thing. Mm. That was around that time or like the 80s or not long after and it would be finding out who the bosses are of the two different criminal gangs Mm -hmm. and it would lead into a conspiracy where his long trusted chief is actually the mastermind of the gangs 
and that he was meant to be it was all a setter and he was he wasn't just caught in the crossfire but he was actually the target and then it Ooh. and then the end, the end of the, the so the end of the movie the end of the plot would be for him and his partner trying to discover how he was brought back to life and him revealing his sort of secret his secret identity and he does this by asking him to shoot him in the chest <laughs> right in the heart so yeah it would have had like comedy and stuff like sprinkled in throughout day and things yeah. but the overall plot is that and i wanted to call it like zombie retro or something like that because of the setting because you would obviously have people wearing like ridiculously flamboyant costumes i, and I stuff. think you, i think you need to go for a really 70s name something like pseudo zombie <laughs> partners in dead crime something something dead crime something crappy like that but it's super 70s does your bathroom i I go with that something along the lines of that yeah but no i get where you're coming them from the retro zombie 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 retro thing though no that that sounds crazy the music for it the, the main sort of like song of the soundtrack for it wouldn't necessarily be i was trying to think of something kind of 70s based but where, like, you know, they, they get away, like, you know, with stuff like Peaky Blinders and things like that, they don't really have music yeah. of the time that is supposed to be set in. Do you know what I mean? That's more modic- modern music. Yeah. Um. So I would have tried to go a more easier route, Um. I feel, with the whole zombie theme. And I would have mm-hmm. played, I would have probably played either Black Sunshine or Thunder Kiss 65 by White Zombie. Oh, okay. And I, yeah. I 65 at the preference, but Black Sunshine maybe because... It has the rev of an engine at the start, and obviously because okay. they're yeah, yeah, yeah. going around in a cut in a high speed car. Okay, so it would fit in with that kind of uh, high octane experience the movie's supposed to. Mm. Hey, this sounds good. I'd watch this. <laughs> There's a action crime, almost noir thriller, but also it's a buddy, well, also a buddy, yeah. com- buddy cop comedy film. I, I do, I do miss them. They, do, you know, they, they're a thing of the past. Unfortunately, they, they keep trying to do things like that. Like they tried to do like R.I.P.D. and things like that with the whole dead element as well. And yeah. it sort of always kind of falls a bit short of the mark or falls flat, you know, completely. And it's a shame that you have to keep looking back to these box sets. Exactly, films. exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, the four lethal weapons, Beverly's Cop, Forty Eight Hours. You know, all that sort of stuff. Rush Hour as well, you know, like Rush Hour is a lot mm. newer than then, but it's still quite old now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Shanghai yeah. New, things like that, you know, like these sort of buddies who are like crime fighting or trying to stop the bad guy. And definitely, it. and if you had the makeup as well, where it, where, like you said, I Zombie, he looked like that, I think that would be quite good. Yeah, yeah and like yeah, stuff that they like Lucifer with certain characters as well in order to sort of hide who they are. Yeah, and, and you could and maybe you could see him occasionally at the very end, like a little post credit scene of him eating like some fucking brains. That'd be quite also funny. Be, also be like some in, like things scattered throughout the film, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So like the undead sort of part of him would be like a kind of like a self rejuvenation sort of thing. So it wouldn't be like rotting flesh and smelling and stuff like that. Well, no, that's what I w- that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Throughout it, the film, you could occasionally see him sort of looking worse and worse. For example, in Jennifer's body, uh, I don't know if you've seen it's got Megan Fox in it, but she uh, basically yeah. turns into a demon, and yeah. if she doesn't feed, then she looks fucking disgusting. She looks terrible. 
So I feel like you could do that route occasionally. Like he, he could I just be looking. Just do it with with the fact that like they they get involved in you know they have a lot of bullets shot at them and stuff like that. Yeah. And and he seems to take damage, so it looks like it's believable. Like get shot in the arm, he actually gets shot in the arm. Yeah. Doesn't like bounce off like Superman or something. Oh but, no 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 yeah definitely. He ends, he ends up sort of healing quickly, and then his partner who who is gradually becoming his friend. I mean, you could make... I was going to make it so that for sto- for, for storytelling sake, his partner would already be... Like, he'd already be partnered up with him. They'd yeah. already know, known each other on the force for quite a long time already. Yeah. Um, but he starts noticing things that are, things that are a bit different rather than just the, to- the, the, the skin tone, you know, the colour mm. of his skin. Ooh, that bullet wound, you know, that healed quite quickly and things like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't make him, like, superhuman... And are people going to find out? That's one of the questions you're thinking in your head throughout the film. Are people going to notice these things? Because we're noticing them. Are other people going to notice it? Yeah. And they say Avatar's good. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> That's taken over the box office again I as well. I know. I'm so fucking annoyed. Really I really don't like Avatar. We'll, 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 we'll talk just... about Avatar at some point. We'll do an episode about one it. Limit, one limit to make it Avatar Eight 2 or something. Mate, they're making fucking seven Avatar films. Yeah, they're supposed to be doing like seven of them. They I, don't, do I don't like Avatar. No, I don't like it. No, I don't. There's lots of films that we don't like, but it doesn't... It's not the point, though. That, yeah. The fact that no, it did well in the box office. I get it, yeah. It's not a terrible movie to me. It's just, it's not memorable. No, like, I can't not, remember. It's not memorable at all. And it's not even the length of time from seeing it, like, when it was... It's when not it very interesting, the either. The only thing that's no. good about it is the is the visual effects. Yeah, I can say visual effects. Yeah. Uh, it's not a memorable film, and it's not very interesting. What do you think of the plot of my... Some of us got no, off I, anyway. I think that sounds good. I think that sounds good. I'd pay yeah, for I'll, it. I'll watch it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for that. I think I think you need to get the uh, with the regeneration powers. You need to get his arm blown off at least once, and then he just picks it up, puts it back on, and reattaches himself. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking job. Well done, Darren. Well done. I'd I'd pay fiver to go see that. Why not? Sounds good. Start uh, idea. <laughs> <laughs> But no, with that, that's the end of the show. Thank you to everyone listening. Obviously, go check us out on Instagram, on Twitter. Go listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, link is always in the description. Uh, obviously, send us an email, drop a comment, give a like, listen to an episode or a few or all of them. Uh, it does really help us out. And we'll see you next time. See you later. See ya. Bye.